This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Keeping It 1000 podcast with myself, Adam Mades, and my co-host, star of the show, Coach George Carl. Coach, how are you doing today? Can't complain. Beautiful sunny day. Uh, uh, you know, get to watch the Nuggets play. I have to go over to my friend's house like I always do. I'm kind of fed up with uh, the Cronkies and Comcast not being able to come to an agreement. It's driving me damn crazy. There's an article in the Denver Post this week about, you know, the partnership with PointsBet that the, the KSE has and how KSE is not really losing any money throughout all of this. And I read that and I just thought, my God, we're never getting them back on, on cable for everybody. If they're not losing money, if they've found a way to make up for that money in other ways, my fear is we're, this is just what's going to happen going forward. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I read that article, and that article was like they were more interested in gambling than they are in Denver Nuggets because it's more money. Right. I mean, it's no question there's going to be a lot of people playing that the game of how to make money in the, in the gambling world. And, right. Yeah. You know, so it's discouraging because I definitely feel like that is one of the storylines over the last year and a half. I thought, as we're starting to do at DNVR, some of our end of year stuff. And we're talking about who's the team of the year in Denver sports. Who is the? And I think for me personally, I think it's easily the Nuggets going to the Western Conference Finals, having two three-one comebacks. If you look back at 2020, the most memorable season will be the Nuggets. And to think about how many people just tuned them out because of the barrier of entry to just watch them play being so high, it, it kills me because I thought that was. I know, I know you were less impressed maybe with you know the the trip to the Western Conference, but for me, and I think for a lot of fans. That was one that we'd really like to, you know, you hope that one goes down as one people remember for a long time. So the fact that there were no fans in the arena for a lot of it and there was not on television, it just kills me. But we can get into this season because we haven't talked for two weeks. And really, since we last spoke, the Nuggets have gone uh, four and three. They've got, I don't think, any good wins, but, um, you know, I don't know if they have any bad losses, which is different from that first four game stretch. Maybe you disagree with that. But they have at least stabilized a little bit over that one-three start. Um, but the first thing I want to ask you is: in our preview series, you talked about with a short training camp, the first month of the NBA season was going to be basically an extension of training camp, where teams are still figuring things out and working on things. Well, that we're now one month into the season. Do you still feel like we are in that portion, the training camp extended portion, where teams are still just getting their legs under them? Well, I think uh, if you're asking me to philosophize about the whole league, the league is not playing great basketball right now. There's only two or three teams at, at moments. So the Lakers look good. Um, you know, I think, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee look like they're powerful, but I'm not sure good yet. And we always kind of have one of the every, every week or every almost every other day we have a what the hell's going on game? You know, teams yeah. lose by 30 points at home. And uh, we still have a lot of blowouts on, on the record. Uh, so, you know, we, we always thought that the 20 game mark was kind of the mark where things would be stable. You know, whatever your opinion was at 20 was probably pretty close to the truth. But because of what's going on in the COVID and the bubble and short seasons, starting at Christmas, all that, all that negative junk that gets in, into the heads of players, uh, I think we might need a little bit longer before, you know, you really feel secure in what you're going to say. But it's close. I mean, uh, and then and someone told me the other day that trade deadlines not till April. Right, yeah. I, I was hoping a trade deadline would be in February. That'd Maybe be so the Nuggets, early. The Nuggets would finally make a trade when they're supposed to make a trade. 
we're going to talk about that for sure. But I want to talk now specifically about the Nuggets because, you know, Michael Porter was such a big part of the season. The fact that he's been out for a ma overwhelming majority of the season so far with those health and safety protocols, to me, it feels like there is another wave coming of figuring things out. Whatever progress, if they've made progress over the last two weeks, whatever progress almost feels like it's about ready for a reset. And that's why I asked about this training camp thing, because I felt like I don't feel like Denver's out of their training camp process because they still have so many questions that are nowhere close to being answered. Do you feel like they are a little behind maybe than even most teams in terms of stabilizing? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely behind. I mean, they're they're in the lower half of teams organized, you know, their, their personality, their mm. Their rotation, their knowledge of one another, their, you know, the, I mean, the thing that's consistent is Jokic is a sensational player playing at a great level. And Murray is damn good, searching for getting his confidence back. But after that, can you put someone on the list that you really are happy with right now? I mean, Monte Morris has played pretty guy. well. Yeah. Uh, off the bench. I, I think we all like Dozier uh, and Green. Both those guys seem like, you know, I'm, I'm actually ready to say that I think Green should be starting. Mm. You know, I, I just think he's good. It looks like Jokic and him have a connection. Um, and I, I think you need to find out how many minutes he should be playing. Right now he's in the 20 area, but He's playing well enough. He might be, should be in the 30 area and Millsap should be in the 20 area or whatever rotation you want to get into. Uh, so no, I think. Uh, well, can I, let me, let me interrupt you there. Cause I want to pull on that thread. How would Jermichael Green starting change the, the nuggets? Like what, what would be different about them with him in the lineup? Oh, I mean, players are different. I mean, I, I mean, Millsap is shooting the ball well, but he's not a shooter. Right. Yeah. So Michael is a shooter. He is a guy that I think we all have saw saw in not only this year but last year that he is a a four a power four uh, shooter stretching the defense. Uh, Millsap still roams around underneath the basket, uh, plays outside, and is shooting the ball well from outside. But he's still more of I think a paint player than a perimeter player. So there's just little intricacies of, of detail that certain players, the thing I saw was Jokic seems to like playing with them. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you got to, you, somewhere in the near next 10 to 15 games, I think you got to come to a, a settlement on what the rotation is and Porter coming back is going to be important, but you're right. And will it help? Will he be rusty? Will he fit in? Is he going to play from the bench? Is he going to, all those questions that we, you know, has been been on the table for a year and a half now, still have not been answered. With regards to Michael Green, Paul Millsap, you know, Jokic is the star of this team and the, and the fulcrum of this team. As a coach, do you go to a player like that in that situation and say, hey, what do you want? Who do you want to play your minutes with? and try to get their input on it? Or how does that communication work and, and influence your decision-making? Yeah, I think they're, I think the top players deserve a little conversation in that area. Um, you know, and I think there's both, I think there's a starting unit and a bench unit. I always like to, I like, I like having them pretty consistent. And having a quarterback of your bench is always important too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but you know the the youthful ego of the team with so many young guys kind of stirring for minutes and trying to get their personality into the rotation and adding seven new players to a roster and most of them being young players it's kind of it's kind of still mystifying to me a little bit that and you know I know that a lot of those guys probably aren't going to play more than three or 400 minutes this year, but it's still your training camp, your, 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 mm. your comfort zone with each other, your ability to, to move fast in training camp rather than moving slow in training camp. 
Um, you know, this team should have, I thought, should have come back with more of a veteran mentality. And it's come back as a retooling mentality almost. We're, we've, we're changing so much personality of this team. That doesn't mean it can't be better. But right now, it doesn't look like it's going to be better. The Keeping It 1000 podcast with Adam Matas and George Carl is brought to you exclusively by DraftKings Sportsbook. The return we have all been waiting for is finally here. UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users can bet $1 on Conor McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, it's reliable. It makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bets and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So the Nuggets below 500 right now, that's 6-7 and seven record. Would you say that is, in your opinion, the number one reason that, that they are there? I mean, how would you rank the things that have gone wrong for the team? having so many young players getting out the gate slow because of the slow training camp and this or that, the bench, not gelling you guys like Gary Harris, Will Barton, like where would you rank all of those things in terms of what the culprit is? Oh man. That's excellent. You're putting me in my, 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 my gut says the foundation of this team has been Barton Murray Gary Harris and Jokic and, and Millsap as the fifth fiddle a couple of years ago. I, I hate to say it. It doesn't seem that five can win anymore. Big. Mm. It needs to be shook up. Uh, you know, I, I think the last time we talked, I, you know, I, I just think Gary Harris is a good NBA player. He's going to play another six, seven years in the NBA. But Jamal Murray is a better off guard than Gary Harris. In my opinion. Yeah. So why are we trying to make something that might not be into the strength of each of them and let them compete against each other and neither one are, re- are happy right now? Um, you know, just changing Millsap for green in a starring lineup. Millsap knows how to come off the bench. You know, I don't think that's going to be a negative and it could be a, it could be a lift. I mean, you got to find things that are going to elevate this team to success and confidence. They have not played a complete game. And even in the games they've won, they've had inconsistent moments. They've not dominated a good basketball team as of yet, except maybe Brooklyn in the first half of Brooklyn. And their wins, most of their wins have been somewhat of survival. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, 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 they win, but most of them have been fourth quarter wins and, and not really establishing themselves yet. Um, you know, and I, and I think that what you're talking about is basically how do you rebuild the personality and confidence of this team in a losing streak or playing right. below and playing below yeah. average basketball? Yeah. And also being thrown maybe the toughest part of your schedule right ahead of you. As a coach, I don't think, you know, I think you got to go, you know, you might go to more of a playoff mode and not experiment a lot in these next five or six games because I think you got to go three and three in these six games, at least. Maybe get lucky and go four and two. Uh, But you can't go one and five or you can't go two and four. Uh, in my opinion, and in a season being shorter, um, you know, another thing is there, I know the plus minus my plus minus of, of, uh, road wins minus home losses. Uh, you know, they're a negative right now. And 
that's not that doesn't mean it can't turn around but i remember one day last year in denver we were 17 and 15 in january at the beginning of january and we went on like a 17 game winning streak but our plus minus at 17 and 15 was a big plus it was like a plus five mm. and so you know being a negative right now i don't think you can afford to go out and throw away some road wins without without getting a cut i mean road losses without getting some road wins to get that thing into a positive place to explain again your your plus and minus thing it's home wins minus road losses is that right it's home wins minus road losses yeah i mean i'm sorry and the pluses are road wins okay yep. a home and home losses is i got it negative. backwards yep so if you lose at home, it's a lot, it's a negative. Right. Cause you know, my feeling has always been, you can win, you know, you always try to win between 70% of your road games. I'm sorry, 70% of your home games and 50% of your road games. Right. Would get you to that 50 win mark. Right. Every right. year. Um, now with only a 72 game schedule, I, you know, I think, I think the the 50 win mark for a 72 game schedule is going to be around 43. Mm. You know, it would be compared if you get 43 or 44 wins, that'd be like 50 right. wins in an NBA season. Right now, I, I think Denver's going to have a difficult time getting a home court. Uh, I mean, even even though it's a short start, um, I you know the West is really difficult and uh, and uh, climb over teams to get in a higher place that can be done early in the season but as the right. season goes along it becomes harder and harder. Well, each of the last two seasons, Denver with home court advantage and in large part I think because of those starts. I think last year eleven and three. I think nine and one the year before. So you bank a bunch of wins early and even if you play five hundred ball the last 60, 65 games of the season, you already set yourself up for success. So. Um, Denver, pretty much the opposite so far this season. I want to go back to confidence, though, because one of my questions and one of the things I always wonder to me, and maybe you disagree with this, but to me, it looks like Gary Harris has lost his confidence. He's still shooting the ball, but it, it never feels like it's going in in large part because the numbers tell you it's not going to go in too often. But he even just doesn't seem to be approaching the game with a lot of confidence. If, if you're in that position and you have a player that you really need to make shots in order to, to make your offense go, but they, they have been inconsistent, what is the balance between, hey, I need to give this guy confidence and give him trust to maybe get him going versus I can't keep hurting the team? Like, what is that balance? Well, I think what you're talking about a little bit is, you know, there's, a, there's only a certain amount of shots in a game. Yeah. And Murray being a shooting point guard takes 20 of them most nights. And then there's a kind of a, a wrestling match for the other ones between Barton and Harris. When Porter Jr. comes back, Monte Morris, Dozier, both those guys a little times, a little too thirsty. They want to score more than maybe just understand right. their role. Uh, you're having a lot of guys, you know, with a little ego of, and a young player trying to establish themselves into a, a stronger place on a, in a rotation. All those things can be confusing without winning. You know, they can be worked out if you win games, but if you, if you compound it with losing, then the energy turns to be a little negative. Yeah. It just seems with Gary, I, I just don't know what you do with a player like that with their confidence in, in, in particular. Um, but one of the questions that's come up, and you referenced this a little bit earlier, the bench has struggled in a lot of these games. And I think cost the Nuggets some, some, some games. But one of the results of that is that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are both playing over 35 minutes per game. There's been a handful of games already this season. They've gotten over 40 minutes. To you, is that number concerning this early in a, in a shortened season? Or do you feel like, 35 minutes per game for a 25, 23-year-old, that's nothing. I think the concerning problem for me is you can't get Jokic hurt. Yeah. Um, the minute thing, the lo you know, load management and all the stuff out there, 
there are certain times in the season you got to play 40 minutes. Mm. And, and uh, I think that's kind of where uh, Coach Malone is right now. He's not gonna, he's not gonna mess with those two guys because they're the most consistent. And especially now with Jokic, when you take Jokic off the court, it's a, it's a little scary. I mean, it, the result when Jokic is off the court is almost you can feel the panic uh, as the game goes on if it doesn't go the right way. The bench has had one or two good games, maybe. Yeah above average games. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's why changing the lineup and start messing around with seeing who deserves to be the starter. Mm. Uh, and I think Coach Malone is, for the most part, has always gone back to those five guys. You know, Millsap, Gary Harris, Barton, um, Murray, and Jokic. Are there, that's the foundation that started all this. And it's always been fairly responsible going back to it. To be honest with you, it doesn't look that good right now. Yeah. Hmm. The, you know, the numbers for them kind of, their numbers have looked impressive. And I know numbers aren't everything, but I think at this moment, that five-man lineup has the best offense so far in all of the NBA. The defense hasn't been very good, but none of their lineups have been good defensively. Um, so I, I, part of me, I guess I understand a little bit of why Malone keeps going back. It's a security blanket. He knows there's a default line that they're going to reach, but at the same time, to your point, I do wonder if mixing things up, maybe makes that your main lineup a little bit worse, but saves the rest of your lineups. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think that's something he's searching for. Um, well, the thing he's done with the lineup is he's gotten to be a, a 500 team. Yeah. And okay. Um, yeah. And even in the bubble, you know, they won as many games as they lost. I mean, they, they, they won some playoff series, but in the end, I mean, they were a 500 basketball team basically in the bubble. Mm. Uh, but in playoff basketball, that's good. Right. You know, it's a little bit better than 500 wins your series. So I don't think it's time to panic. I think it's time to find some answers. And it's not a time, though, to experiment. So how you do that in, a co in the coaching world is difficult. And so, you know, that's why I think maybe messing with the lineup, especially when Porter Jr. comes back, tell everybody, hey, I'm going to mess around a little bit here to try to figure out who plays well with each other. And, and you know, as I said, it seemed like he's very content with Dozier, uh, Dozier or whatever, how you pronounce that name, but but does, does, does Dozier have any minutes when Porter Jr. comes back? I don't think he does. Well, this is my one of my questions for you is, you know, just, you know, with that bench lineup in particular, but I guess we could extend it to the starters as well. What players, if you were in charge, would be in line for a reduction in minutes, meaning guys that are getting minutes right now that you think that's not working, let's get them out? I'll say on the positive side, I would, I would experiment more with – green and how many minutes he deserves okay you know i think he's earned a little more love yeah um i think the other thing would be for me is uh if you if you can't cater to gary harris as a starter where you can't get him enough shots to get his confidence back can you do that bringing him off the bench mm. uh, uh, so you know i it's a hard one because I, I know Gary Harris has been a big part of the, the, the four or five years of success. But I think, it, you know, as a coach, I would probably be messing around a little bit more than I think Malone has been doing. Mm, just experimenting with different things. Um, if you did just take Gary Harris out, I know you like the idea of a point guard, a true point guard alongside Jamal Murray. Would that mean, do you like minutes with Monte Morris alongside Murray and, and the rest of the starters? Do you like Dozier? Is there some other answer that you kind of like or type archetype you like? I like, I like uh, Jamal Murray being aggressive and, and being responsible to being a, maybe a, a team player, but being a hell of a scorer. Right. I think that's what's comfortable to him. Uh, Jokic is going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to adapt to whatever's going on in the court, whatever you need from him, he'll do it. And so, yeah, I like Morris in the lineup. Uh, the the Fa Fasu, Fasu. 
Vaku. Uh, you know, I still think he's got to get some minutes to see what he is. Because, mm. uh, you know, he, he has an exciting, he has an energy to him that I think could be helpful to a good team. But we got to get to a good team first. Right. Right. His minutes just seem so concerning. And part of this is he's been out there with a second lineup that oftentimes features four guards. And they've played small a lot, you know, with that second lineup. Isaiah Hartenstein, I'm curious what your take is, uh, both on Faku and Isaiah Hartenstein, the backup center, who's only playing about five or six minutes per game right now. Both of the, Do you feel like both of those guys are part of, when you're talking about experimentation, giving those guys a little bit more run and seeing what they can do? Or have you, do you feel like you've already got a good read on both of them? I don't have a good read on them. I like both of them a little bit. Um, but again, experimenting, I think you got to play them with better players. If you're going to, instead of playing all the B players or the second unit players together, mix them up a little bit, you know, mix up the players and play some bench players with the starters and some starters play with the bench and, mm. and, you know, do it. You do it in practice first, you mess around with it in practice a little bit. But from what I can tell right now, the practices just don't exist very much anymore right, right. in the NBA. Yeah. Is there, we talked a little bit about Jokic, but I want to go back to him because obviously the numbers he's putting up have been incredible. I think he's been incredible overall. Is there anything in his game that, that you don't like right now or anything that you would be, specifically that you think he needs to be challenged on? Uh, rim protector. Mm. You know, I want to, you know, I think he's done a better job of being a problem and a presence in the paint. You know, he makes guys miss shots by just being big. But, you know, I, I don't think he's a shot blocker or is he a guy that can take a great player away from the rim. He can't do that. Mm. He can take an ordinary good player away from the rim a little bit by his presence. He's improved defensively, but in the end, he's just probably above average defensively in his skills. And so the paint presence, and you know, this is the hardest thing in coaching to figure out who's the problem. Their transition defense is a little up and down. Mm. You know, they, some, some games they look like they're committed to it, and then there are other games they just want it to be a free-flowing, fast-tempo game and see if we're going to outscore somebody. Yeah. Hmm. I'm curious with him, too. Just It seems like the team is playing through him, you know, just a, a ton right now. He's obviously can handle it and has been such a good player. And the offense, like I said, has, has been up there towards the top. Is there any argument? They threw this out on TNT the other day. Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal were going back and forth about it. Is there anything to reducing a player's role, even when they're impactful, because it gets other guys more comfortable? Meaning, can they can you play too much through your best player sometimes? Oh, I think there's a yes to that, and there's also a no to that. Um, I th I think I like offenses that have flow and rhythm. Yeah, And you don't know where the ball is going to go, or you don't know who's going to shoot the ball. Uh, the more structure you add to your offense, I think the more at times it can become predictable to a fault. I know that's not a really interesting answer because it, uh, but I, I think Jokic is really good at understanding what he has to do. Yeah, And Malone and him seem to have a connection that, you know, I need you to be a scorer tonight or go get go get 20 assists tonight. They seem to have a little bit of a knowledge of what, how the flow of the game and rhythm of the game. Um, but they need more than just Jokic. I mean, they need more than Jokic and they need more than Jokic and Murray. And right now, even though the efficiency offensively is, is statistically, as you said, at a high level, it doesn't feel like a high level. It just doesn't feel like they're, they're not, a, I don't think any of us are going to say they're a bad offensive team. They're a good offensive team, but they're not, and they, they're not getting enough defense or enough powerful, consistent offense to win games. Right. 
I, I actually do think it's an interesting answer because I'm just so fascinated with the idea of flow basketball, read and react basketball, and everybody just kind of knowing the principles of what you're running. So I want to ask you, go kind of go through the roster here and which players you feel like are most capable and consistently executing that style of flow offense. Does that make sense? So, for example, I ask you, Jokic, is he capable of, of, of playing flow basketball at a high level? I think the answer is pretty clearly yes. Yes, he's the point. He's, he's the point guard for this basketball team. I asked you, Jamal Murray. Um, I think I think he's searching for the powerful personality that he had in the bubble. Okay, that hasn't come, but he's not far from it. Um, and I think in the bubble he played more off the ball than he's played this year in the season of this so far this season. So. Again, finding his flow, but then you say, well, Gary Harris needs to find flow. Yeah. Uh, Will Barton needs to find flow. Porter, when he comes back, needs to find flow. You can't, that is, that's hard. You got to find one of, you know, someone's got to jump up, take the responsibility. I think Murray's trying to be that guy. He played really well in the first half against Utah. Um, uh, but, you know, he's not shooting the ball as well as he's capable. Uh, I don't know. People say his elbow or, or he's just not in good enough shape yet, whatever the reason is. Um, but uh, I would say Murray is capable of being a very uh, an explosive flow player, but he's not that guy right now. Uh, oh, Barton. Will Barton, yeah. I think Will Barton's a bench scorer. Always have. I think he's a guy you bring off the bench and you give him shots and see if you can get a, a 10, 12 point quarter out of him. Um, he wants to be a starter. I would, I would confront that with saying, Hey, we need you coming off the bench and I might make my bench more veteran with Millsap and -hmm. bringing two tough minded guys off the bench, um, with some young guards and a young center. Paul Millsap flow. I mean, he's obviously low usage now, and you mentioned him being inside a little too much, but is he capable of reading the court and, and knowing it, and those things in your opinion? Well, Millsap knows how to play basketball and he knows winning basketball. He, his, his skills are just plateaued and uh, you, you can't get the big game that you once got out of him. You know, you used to be able to get a 25, 30 point game once in a while. That game now, if you get a good half out of him, you're feeling good about life. But he does winning things. Don't get me wrong. He's right. still a winner in many, many ways. I don't think you want to take him out of the personality. I think he's the piece of the puzzle that you move around and see where he fits other than being a starter. So this brings us to, I think, what will probably be the storyline over the next two weeks between now and our next show. And that is Michael Porter. He's been out for all this time. He's coming back, it sounds like, on Friday. The Nuggets were recording this on Tuesday the Nuggets have one more game tonight against Oklahoma City. They favored in that <coughs> game. You hope they can get to 500 before this long road trip. But, you know, he's such a huge question mark. And the fact that he missed 10 games or, or 10 days or whatever, it's been more than that, I think, uh, you know, coming into this, how much of an obstacle does that present itself that he has missed basically the entire start of the season? Well, I think, you know, it's a big obstacle because he adds to the – the negative part of the party right now. The party says we're not together yet. The party says that we don't, we, we're not finding rules and responsibilities that we want to find. And now we're going to add a guy that wants to score points, thinks his career is going to be based upon being a big offensive player. And that right now the offense is efficient, but not successful. Will that add to the problem? Or will it enhance or empower it to find the answer? My experience says it's going to add to the problem for at least a while. Mm. And, and I think that's where I think Malone being more of a dictatorial, you know, doing what he feels has to be experimented with has to be tolerated by the players. Right. Hmm. So what are, I mean, the challenge obviously defensively is pretty immense just is, is yeah, this, man, not, I mean you're, you're not going to be a good defensive team with the skills that we have right now 
you don't think there's it's possible it's not a matter of him reading the court better or learning this you think that is a year's process not a week's process you've taken too many defensive players off this team and added too many young players to think you're going to be a top 10 defensive team um can you get better yeah can you have priorities you know we were a good team defensively in the in the, you know with the chauncey and, and mellow air they had to, they had the ability to be good fourth quarter defensive teams right yeah we weren't very good most of the game we had bad lapses but usually in the fourth quarter, we had defensive responsibilities to find that we knew we could get done in big time games. I think the Nuggets were that way last year, statistically, a very good defensive fourth quarter team. And it's part of why they were, you know, one of the better teams in the clutch last year. Um, all right. So with Michael Porter, when he comes back, you personally throw him right back into the starting lineup. Is this a thing that, hey, assuming he's in good enough shape and, and you know, he's young, I imagine – we don't know, you know, exactly how he's going to come back, but assuming he can play minutes, do you just say, hey, let's get there, or do you ease him back into the lineup? Adam, you probably know better than I. I think this is more of a mental thing, an ego thing, a young player trying to be, you know, a star thing. Um, you know, I hear he's a good kid. I hear, I hear he listens. I hear he's coachable. But I, I also see body language that he gets mad at times at what, what his role is. Um, would I throw him back in the starting lineup? I'd probably say, hey, let's experiment the first couple of games. I'll get you back in there in a couple of games, but give me two or three games to figure it out. That's mm -hmm. where I'd be right now. Right. Hmm. So a roll off the bench. It's just tough because that bench unit has been so, so difficult. I mean, it does feel like everything's on a razor's edge, especially when you're six and seven. If you're, if you're, if you're eight and four, maybe you feel a little more comfortable saying we can, we can afford this, but it does feel like Denver needs wins as much as they need to figure things out right now. Well, you know, my, my thing with Porter Jr. is how many, you know, Michael, I'm going to get you 25 to 30. I promise you, you're going to get 25 to 30. Let me figure out where you get them. And don't worry, you'll get 25 to 30. And when you get healthy and we get in a better rhythm, you might, you'll get more than that. But you're going to have to earn more than 30. But right now you've earned 25 to 30. Mm. So do you feel it's important to tell a player like that just up front? I mean, do, is it often that you players know going into a game what their minute total is expected to be? Well, yeah, I don't think you can ever promise them a per minute thing. I can, I did right, things right. like, I, you know, uh, you know, you can't give me, you can't hold me. If a game's going and one guy's playing really good and you get 17 one night because the other guy was better than you, you got to live with that. But over a season, you know, in my opinion, Michael Porter is a 25 to 30 minute player in the NBA probably. Yeah. I don't know if he's earned all that, but his skills and talent have said, yeah, that's what he probably should get. Um, if you're on a more of a championship team, that might be 20 to 25. But the whole thing right now is what is Millsap? What is Gary Harris? Right. Yeah. What is Roll Barton? Yeah. What is Monte Morris? What yeah. is Dozier? I mean, there are a lot of guys that want minutes. So I don't, they're, they're backed up. Yeah. Uh, and and the, and then again, the defense is ordinary, average. Right. Right. Do play do coaches? This is kind of a fun one, I guess. Maybe it's not fun for you, but the coaches. I mean, they have to have favorites, I imagine. And and how how as a coach do you balance the I just like this guy versus this is the guy that gives me a chance to win down the line, or or he's good but he frustrates me. What's the balance for coaches with those things? Well, you know, you know, coaches have, you know, they, they have a preference. Sure. But I don't think it's as much as strong as I think fans think it is. I mean, mm. coaches want to win. Yeah. Coaches want to get better. Coaches want to stay away from negative energy and negative moments in your season. Um, 
for whatever reason, we've the Nuggets have gotten off to a slow start. And there's, you know, they're not, I wouldn't say they're in a big negative energy state, but they're close. Mm. You know, they're close. Um, if, if they stay around 500 for the next 15 to 20 games, then the energy will start to really feeling will get heavier than it is right now. Well, I want to shift. The last thing I have on the docket here is a basketball question. We haven't done one of these video things for a while, but I wanted to ask you a, a, a basketball thing that came up in the end of the Utah game. And I'm going to play the clip, and this clip will be available up on DNVR. It'll also be available up on our YouTube page if you want to check that out. But we're going to look at this, Coach. I sent this to you earlier, a little, I think, Ram stagger. I don't know what the, the appropriate ter terminology. I would know this as a Ram stagger. With a second screen, you basically get one a one-five pick and roll up top, and then you get a second guy setting a, a, a second screen on the big. In this case, uh, Nikola Jokic. This was the play that I thought sealed the game for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, both not on the same page, run out on the second screener up at the top of the key and allow for a wide-open floater from a guy who's one of the best in the NBA at, at getting floaters. So if we go through this play slowly here, Coach, what should the defensive assignment be, and why did this play catch the Nuggets off guard? Well, Jokic has got to make him veer more than he should. Uh, Murray, I would say Monte Morris, I would like to see him body to body more on on um, the point guard. So when you say and, veer, though, real quick, just to, are you wanting Jokic up attacking more so he has to take a wider angle here? Is that is that kind of what you're saying? I want him to create the ball to go more – East to west and north to south. Okay. Okay. And he'll be up a little bit higher. Okay. See, he's in retreat yep. where I thought he should be forward more. Okay. And now Jamal Murray has just got to be in a switch. He's got to take the ball. Okay. I mean, right here, he should be yelling switch. Okay. I mean, he's clear. Automatically, we had a rule that if Monte sees the back of his defender, it's a switch. Okay. And obviously, I think he's seeing the back of his defender. So that should be an automatic switch. And if you would have switched that, and I would have given a little more bluff from the from the corner, you yeah. know, maybe another another slide in from the corner to take away the visual. You what you see right now is the guard sees and he sees a big gap. He's excited right now. So how do we take that out? It's got to be visual as much as it's got to be active. Yeah. Hmm. So I, the other thing I wonder about a play like this, because I think this one, it they run a lot of double stagger screens and double drag screens, double highs, the, the jazz. It's part of, it's like a staple of their offense. But this play in particular in the way that they ran it, sending Bogdanovich to, to basically hit him with that second screen, often to, I know these as Spain pick and rolls. They usually happen on the roller down here. This one happens up above the break. It felt to me like a play that was, you know, maybe something they went over and shoot around or maybe something the coach had prepared saying, hey, we get ourselves into this moment late in game. This was one we're going to. Do you feel like that is what happened here? This was a play that they had prepared for specifically for this moment? Well, it was very similar to a play that in the bubble was very successful against them. Um, hmm. You know, they, they didn't seem like they ran it as much in the game. And you know, don't, you know, the Nuggets did a hell of a job in Donovan Mitchell, so there should be some positives to their defense. But you know, uh, they they need to be. You know, there are times they've been more aggressive, more physical with their defense. But right now, I, I think they're in a situation where I think their offense is going to figure its way out. I don't have a lot of answers how the defense is going to figure its way out. Yeah. Do you um, just in general, generally speaking, how do coaches prepare for a game and do they draw up like, hey, late game, this is going to be our bread and butter. Last five minutes, if it's close, we're going to be doing these types of actions. Or is it more in the regular season? You don't have time to get that specific game by game. How do you prepare as a coach? You have your, you know, you, you know what we always like to do at halftime was to see what play is really working. There might be three or four that are high efficiency sets. And we put one of them in our pocket. Uh, I learned that from NFL people. 
Mm. NFL people told me that at the end of a game, they always have one play that they know is going to get 20 to 30 yards that worked maybe earlier in the game mm -hmm. and they know will come open. Um, but, you know, I think, I think you, your best players know their, what their favorite plays are. Those are the ones you go to. And then you might have a tinker. You might tinker with it a little bit. Instead of a pin down, it might be a back screen or a handoff. Right. Uh, they do that really well with Murray. Uh, they do a lot of things with, you know, false, false motion away from the handoff. And, and then you got Jokic, you can find the back door, can throw it over the top, or he can be a hell of a handoff guy too. So, um, you know, I, I didn't believe in working a lot on last second situations offensively. Mm. I like I like working on last second situations defensively because my belief is a stop is better than a make. Mm. Stop is more powerful at the end of the game than a make is at the end of the game. So what type of things specifically, specific actions and how you're going to defend them or or you know what is it? Uh, well, you know, every team you're playing, you have a playbook on it and the game situations. Right. And so, you know, as you walk through or your, your shoot around, you might spend time on video or on video in or the court on their two or three most favorite plays, what you're going to see at the end of the game. And in today's game, most of it's a mid pick and roll of some sort. Yeah. Uh, but there are all types of motions now to get to that mid pick and roll. And that's why I think you see so many teams switching at the end of games and i was a big believer in switching at the end of games i think i think i think switching or aggressive is the way i would like to go and Jokic was if he would have been a little more aggressive and made the point guard veer a little bit then everybody else could have zoned up and scrambled back to their own men right. but when the ball got free to the rim and and uh, gobert, gobert was standing on the tip of the rim and Murray, Murray and Monte should have switched it and probably would have been covered. Mm, gotcha. Well, to wrap up, just, you know, I always like to hear your observations on the rest of the league. So if we just get away for the nuggets real quick, what, what there's some teams, players, or just trends that have stuck out to you over the last two weeks that you've found interesting around the NBA. Unfortunately, the one thing I find, uh, but not interesting, but angry is the Lakers are really good. Yeah. And the Lakers are substantially better than the next team right now in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, how someone catches up is going to be interesting. But I mean, the Lakers have some good stories. I mean, Schrader's playing great. LeBron obviously likes what's going on. Uh, they're shooting the ball from the three uh, with more confidence. And in my opinion, they're the best defensive team when they play defense. Right. So that would be my one observation. Let me let me stop uh, you there on LeBron though, because he's 35 and still doing this. I think thirty. Yeah, he's 35. Tom Brady now in the uh, NFC Championship game. He's 43. I I keep wondering, do we need to reset expectations for superstar athletes and aging? I mean, we've always thought about 35. You're starting to get towards the end, the twilight there. Is it realistic to think these guys can play till 40 at a high level? The special player, I say yes. I mean, I, I think LeBron is definitely going to play when he's 40 years old in the NBA, unless he has a major injury. Right. Um, you know, I think I think that body type, that that strong physical body type, um, I think it has a chance to play. I think what you're seeing a lot right now in the league is those six, seven, six, 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 eight, long, athletic, and bulk, not 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 bulky, but muscular guys. Yeah, that can take on the big guys when they have to, but also have the ability to jump over you or run by you. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, any other trends or things you wanted to to kind of comment on with the league? Um, I'm I'm seeing more zone. Yeah. There's more and more teams playing more zone. Uh, still, I mean, I think right now the game is so much offensive oriented. Uh, the success of 
of, of, of building a team seems to be very youthful. The one thing I, I see in the league, a lot of young basketball players, mm. a lot of rosters that, you know, a lot of just really, really young. I think the, org- the little organizations have gone to play the younger player. We'll live with the failures. We'll live with the mistakes. But I, I think that's something that if you're asking my opinion, I would say the league might be too young right now. Mm. I'd like it to be maybe a little more veteran oriented. Hmm. All righty. Well, coach, I appreciate it. this was a, you know, a good conversation. It's, it's, I don't like that when the show is, you know, so many things are negative around the nuggets, but that's just the truth of the matter right now that they don't look very good. There is a lot of concern over them. And so, so many of our topics have to be negative, but I do think that these next two weeks will be interesting. I hope they're interesting for reasons that are positive. Michael Porter <clears throat> getting more look at him, maybe the nuggets rebounding, you know, a little bit better and looking better. And not negative as in the next time we talk, we're talking about a team that's a little bit in distress almost halfway through the season. So that's my hope. Well, I think they got to look at their schedule and say, because of the road games, they just got to get five. They got to stay around 500. Yeah. Yep. And let the schedule come back to them. Right now, the schedule is not nice to them right now. They got to they gotta get through this, you know, these six or seven games. And... Um, and then when the schedule kind of comes your way, go go be ready to go at it. Do you think teams make a bigger leap going through the hard parts of their schedule or the easy parts of their schedule? Uh, I think you gain confidence beating good teams more so than just doing your job against the mediocre teams. I think I think the game the game that championship can connection and and trust and belief. You got to go someplace and be in a really good team. There you go. Well, maybe the Nuggets will get a couple of those as they come up. There's no shortage of good teams to beat on the road. Good opportunities to win on the road coming up. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for tuning in, Coach Carl. And everybody else, we'll see you guys next time.